And we're seeing this explosion of the digital transformation market entering into the trillions. of Open Up Digitals. We're very happy you're watching again. In this episode, we'll be talking to Kamalis Lardi and uh, we'll be talking about the way we work because the way in which we work is changing rapidly because of the digitalization of our workplace and new technological possibilities and because of Corona, which has accelerated everything. Now, how should companies deal with all these challenges and how can employees stay in touch and stay involved and what can we do differently or maybe even better? What can we learn? Well, today we are very privileged to talk to Kamalis Lardi. She is a digital transformation expert uh, with over 20 years of cross-industry experience. She is CEO of Lardi and Partner Consulting and often says that technology is not a silver bullet solution, that a clear value proposition should drive any transformation effort. Kamalis is a teaching fellow and uh, chairperson of the MBA advisory board at Durham University Business School. And she was recently awarded as top 10 global thought leader and influencers in digital transformation. Welcome very much to you, Kamalis. Very happy that you're, uh, you're here today. Thank you, Lika. It's amazing to be here. I'm happy to join you guys this morning. Yeah, well, we're very happy uh, to have you because we're talking about the future of work, about the changes in the way that we collaborate with each other and communicate. And until recently, this was mainly about digitization. And of course, Corona has had a large influence in that matter. What things do you see that have gotten into gear because of the Corona? Well, there are several things which I believe have uh, shifted tremendously. I mean, obviously, there's quite a lot that's changed over the last couple of months within a short time frame. But uh, a few key things that I think will have a sustainable impact on the business environment. Uh, first of all, you talked about working from home or remote work environment, and that's one of the biggest shifts. But um, the underlying factor to that is the mindset shift that we've seen. So uh, a shift towards new ways of working, understanding that uh, digital can be an enabler for these new ways of working and the possibilities that remote work, um, working from home and, you know, these new kinds of interactions uh, that can bring to the business environment. And I mean, on top of all this, we've also seen an increase in productivity for remote workers. So people who are working from home, traditionally companies used to believe that, you know, uh, it would be difficult to manage these employees. It would be difficult to understand uh, or to see uh, a productive work environment in this sort of model. And what we've seen in a very short time frame is about, you know, 13 to 20% increase in productivity for remote work. Uh, depending on which industry you're looking at. So this is quite an exciting shift because it's also created an opportunity for um, business leaders and companies to explore new technology solutions. Uh, we're seeing new ways of or new ideas coming out of how technology can be implemented in the work environment. And we're seeing this explosion of the digital transformation market entering into the trillions in terms of spending. So this is quite an exciting uh, topic or area to be in at the moment. On the flip side, I want to highlight as well that it's not just been the positives. It's obviously uh, created certain knee-jerk reactions where I've seen companies implement solutions that 
are in response to the kind of uh, current environment without thinking about the sustainable uh, longevity of the solutions. So these are things that I think organizations will start dealing with as we go into the post-COVID environment. Okay, yeah, let's see, because uh, looking at that uh, digitization, I have a quote that I would like to, uh, to mention here. A few companies understand the potential of digitization. Now, you would think at this quote as a recent quote, but uh, you said this in 2008 in your Deloitte research on digital transformation. Now, has anything changed for companies over the 12, uh, past 12 years? Do they look at, uh, at, this way, uh, diff at this digitization differently, at this potential of digitization? And how should companies uh, adapt this tragedy to, to become more resistant in this post-COVID uh, area? I'm actually quite surprised that you found this quote. Um, it was quite a while back, so very impressed <laughs> that you did the research on that. Um, I think what has changed, a lot has changed, obviously, to answer your question. But uh, specifically, what has changed is the understanding that digital can be part of the kind of business solution environment. Um, what we're still seeing, though, is organizations looking, or many organizations, I wouldn't say all, still looking at digital or technology as kind of one-off solution or the solution that can resolve the, the problems, the business issues that they have. And I would like to kind of push the, the focus back on the core of business, which is really looking at what your business problem is, what your market problem is. Uh, what are you trying to solve in terms of your customers' needs and how can you apply technology and how can you create solutions that uh, can be enabled by technology? And obviously what we've seen over the last 12 years is this massive shift and in terms of trends, um, in terms of you know, evolving consumer behaviors globally, in terms of new technology breakthroughs that have been coming up, in terms of how technology solutions are leveraging one another. So the kind of collaboration between the technologies. So if you think about um, AI systems and interacting or engaging with uh, blockchain solutions and how, uh, how you can create massive, you know, kind of tremendous changes in the business environment with these two solutions together. Uh, if you think about IoT and blockchain combining as well. So there's lots of opportunities that's been created external to the business environment. And it really depends on how organizations are taking advantage of these opportunities that are coming up in terms of new trends. So I've seen the acceptance and adoption uh, of digital since, uh, you know, since that quote in 2008 developed massively. But um, in terms of how the technology is being utilized, in terms of the focus of business, I think there's still some way to go. But now we're seeing a massive uh, growth in this area. So some progress as well in terms of understanding what the role of technology is in terms of our business environment. So that's really promising. Okay. Yeah, I, I have to uh, thank Hans Kukuk because he's the one doing all the research and of course I also read, but he's the one who found the quote actually, so I have to uh, mention him. Yeah, uh, you see that the adaption is, is getting better, of course, also because of this uh, corona, but we've been talking to many um, business leaders and um, their issue is that there's a hard time in defining a clear return on investment when it comes to the digitalization. It used to be like that uh, before corona anyway. What advice do you have and, and how should they start to calculate that return on investment? Should they look at um, purchasing processes or sales channels or commuting or office spaces or where should they start? Um, so this is a big topic on most um, kind of leadership 
people's minds, right? They're always thinking about if I implement something, what's the tangible result that comes out of that? And I think it comes back to the goals that you've set for yourself at the very beginning. Um, what we try to do when we work with organizations is really look at digital transformation. It's a very, very big scope. So we try to, to split it up into different segments or areas. We look at customer experience, uh, product and service digitization, operational excellence, so your internal business environment and culture, as well as new business initiatives. And so when you scope it in that way, you can kind of focus, zoom in on specific areas and define your goals. So if you're talking about customer experience design, uh, about 60% of uh, customers, based on a recent survey, about 60% of customers say experience is what, you know, the positive experience uh, that they get through interactions with companies is kind of the deciding factor in terms of whether they um, acquire services and products from that particular brand. So this is a huge element where we can see uh, digital and technology solutions creating an impact. And if we look at that specific area, we can kind of zoom in and say, what are the outcomes you want to achieve? Is it customer satisfaction? Is it turnaround times in terms of processing a specific application or a request? Uh, so you can kind of really zoom into tangible um, um, return on investment or tangible measures that you want to find from specific initiatives, really focusing on things like, you know, the traditional elements that digital can really contribute to your business environment. So uh, in terms of access to information, in terms of 24-7 uh, responsiveness, in terms of, uh, you know, optimizing engagement um, and leveraging technology to kind of optimize your process and your you know, speed and access and timing, for example. But you also have these intangibles that you need to measure and, and uh, follow up on. So things around how can you um, optimize the kind of emotional triggers or emotional engagements that you can get from customers. And a key element here is really having the right data, measuring the right things and focusing on the right goals that you want to achieve. Yeah, because we, we've talked to a Belgian expert about this, Stephen van Belgem, about this customer behavior you, you're also talking about. And just like you, that he, he says that companies should uh, put more effort in, in, in really understanding their customers. And actually, that's what you're saying also, that, that you could use digital to optimize this customer experience. That's absolutely true. I think the core of every uh, kind of business organization should be, you know, the, the customer that you're targeting. And first of all, really looking at the market and understanding, you know, who your target customers are. This is a critical uh, element of that. Okay. But within that, really looking at what kind of problems you're trying to solve, keeping your ear to the ground and having a strong understanding for the ongoing development, evolving um, kind of customer preferences and behaviors as well the shift in trends that are happening and having a really strong understanding for the market um, and one element of that I mean today we have numerous channels that allow companies to gain access to information and fairly in-depth granular information about customer preferences and you know behaviors and needs um, but one element of that is then being able to kind of make sense of this information, which is the data analytics element. So this is a fundamental piece that I would say any organization would need to build capabilities in terms of, um, you know, having the, the right information, access to that information, um, and being able to analyze and gain insights from that information as well. So something that we do, for example, is uh, helping organizations set up a management cockpit environment, which is really a, a dashboard or, you know, a physical environment, however you want to design it, but the right information to allow management teams to make uh, good decisions 
informed decisions about how to engage with the market and how to optimize their kind of um, value that they offer to the market as well. So these are kind of two big elements, the strong understanding of the customer environment, as well as how you analyze that information. Okay, yeah, so a lot of data and a lot of knowledge about that, uh, that customer. Now, you as a native Malaysian living in Switzerland, of course, now, until recently you traveled all around the world, you saw a lot of countries. Could you tell us a little bit about the differences between the countries uh, or even maybe continents with regard to this digitalization? Is there, is there a big difference? Is there a threat that maybe rich countries will take the lead now and this all will lead to more inequality or... Um, this is actually one of the more exciting things about the work that I do, uh, both in terms of digital transformation projects as well as speaking engagements. Um, I get to meet people from all walks of life. And it's really exciting to meet people from different cultures, from uh, different organizations and industries, as well as different types of roles uh, within certain organizations. And I learn so much from these interactions because it's not just about, you know, there are similarities and there are differences in terms of uh, where people come from and the type of engagements and the type of priorities companies have and so on. But there are certain similar similarities and differences. Um, similarities in terms of, you know, when you have digital transformation in an organization, there's always a certain fear, a certain loss of control, um, the, the way people engage with one another and interact, a lot of that comes down to company culture. And, you know, that's a really, really strong element or success factor for digital transformation. And differences then come in terms of the type of industry that you're in, uh, the, the culture that the country has, for example, some countries tend to be a lot more open and, um, you know, open to risks as well and more forgiving of failures and mistakes. Other cultures tend to be more rigid, um, where they are afraid of failure and, you know, it, it, it tends to be more uh, do it once and do it right type of culture. So these are elements that all really play into the success factors for digital transformation. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, that I've kind of learned across the board is to first get a really strong understanding for what the cultures are, what the fears are, what the motivations are before embarking on any kind of transformation projects. And really having a, um, you know, there, there's nothing that replaces that strong human interaction, which is uh, a key element of the work that I do when we interact with people in different organizations, really getting a, a good relationship built and trying to understand the, the motivations behind what they want to achieve, the fears behind what can and cannot be done. Um, and working from that point, you know, so the technology and the kind of framework and methodology parts are almost the easier pieces. Then you have the human element and the DNA of the organization, which ten tends to be a little bit harder. Okay, so you're actually more focusing actually on, on culture, attitude and fear than on money that is available in, in such countries. Yeah, that's, that's nice to... Nice but just to, to add uh, to, to the point, because I think you had a second part um, in your question around would the big players or the rich countries uh, take, the take the lead? And I think this is, this is actually a really uh, important point. You know, in nature, there's always a balance and just like in nature, there's a balance between kind of um, how things work uh, within organizations, within industries, within the business landscape. There's always a balance as well. It's almost like a natural balance, I would say, um, where you have um, big organizations, rich companies, for example, that tend to have the funds and the resources and the access to be able to drive some transformation initiatives. Uh, maybe corner the market, uh, take take a lead and, you know, be kind of the first movers. 
Um, but they also tend to be a little, you know, it's like the massive uh, ships in sea. Yeah. They tend yeah. to be a lot harder to, to navigate and turn and shift. Yes. So they're not as agile. Whereas on the other hand, you have the small players and, you know, the, the uh, kind of startup environments and companies like that. They tend to be very agile, uh, but they tend to lack, for example, um, business know-how and, you know, um, understanding in terms of how to build an organization, how to build the, and scale organizations. So we can, do tend to find a balance where in this business environment you, or in digital transformation itself, you don't have someone kind of standing out unless you have all the different pieces in place. Um, and we do find that collaboration works a lot better than uh, competition. So yeah. um, this is a, a key element as well, I would say. Yeah, I think it's in balance when they need each other in some way indeed, yeah. Well, um, something completely different, but I wanted to talk about that as well. The social media, it's of course connected to the digitalization, but it's a kind of different subject. Because in 2013, you uh, co-authored the book, uh, Social Media Strategy, a step-by-step -step guide to uh, understand and implement social media for companies. Um, how about the social media uh, part of all this? Is, did it change a lot over the years? Uh, are they using it in a proper way now, the big companies? Um, so this is actually interesting. Um, social media back then, I started, you know, looking into new technology, emerging technology back already in 2007, uh, sorry, 2007. Uh, we were doing trend analysis back then, and it, it was one of the things that stood out as a growing or emerging tech. And I would say social media is actually one of the early disruptive uh, technologies or, or platforms. Um, because it was the one that could, um, you know, we'd never seen a technology before that shifted so much in terms of the way people behave. Um, we, we started becoming uh, very engaged with our mobile devices. We started becoming um, dependent on these devices and these platforms for human interaction. And today, social media is still going strong in terms of how it's impacting global politics in terms of, uh, you know, global activism and things like that so it's it's definitely become a lot more um embedded in our society and back in 2013 i was one of the kind of few people that came up with a end-to-end -end structured methodology um on how to apply social media in the business environment so that was the basis of the the book and i think what has happened is since then the understanding of social media has grown massively uh the usage or use cases have also become uh, very standard or most organizations have a social media presence. They do have um, a way of engaging with customers and with their target audiences on social media. They also use it for competitive uh, knowledge or intelligence, uh, really keeping kind of the ear to the ground. But I think what has happened is it's become a little bit uh, diluted. So the data you get off social media may not necessarily reflect exactly what your customers uh, feel or think. Um, and so being able to, again, analyze this information is a very, very important skill set. I do see um, channels and platforms evolve and, you know, some have almost disappeared completely. Some have stayed strong. Um, I do see the next generation of people still engaging on these platforms. So I've missed kind of the Snapchat, TikTok, um, <laughs> you know, platform <laughs> era. I'm a little bit too old, but my daughter's very engaged on it. <laughs> so... Yeah. And this was a, a massive uh, transformation, right? So over the COVID lockdown period, yeah. uh, she started engaging with uh, her friends in, in New York and all over the world on Snapchat and TikTok and really, you know, uh, building closer relationships with them through these platforms. 
And it was quite um, interesting to observe that. So I do see social media as really an embedded part of any organization. And um, I'm really happy to say that the methodology or the framework is still very relevant for businesses. And I think um, it, it comes down to companies really being creative in terms of how they use these platforms today. Yes, because they should not only use it to gather data, but also to stay involved and post things themselves, get involved in the debate. Should they take any responsibility on the, on the global things happening like Black Lives Matters or uh, uh, environment or whatever? Um, I do believe so. I have a very, very strong sense of, um, you know, basically supporting the underdog. So I am very vocal on social media in terms of supporting certain activism or causes that I believe in. Uh, it's a different ballgame for organizations, particularly if you're a big brand, uh, because the, the, the customer base that you support could have very, very different beliefs or the customer base you, you provide for could have a very different set of beliefs. Um, and so really understanding who your customers are and having a strong understanding for what your organization stands for, what the brand uh, positioning is, what you believe in as an organization, particularly in terms of the beliefs of your employees as well. And yeah. being able to then post and share content that relates to that, but also is able to have, you know, as a brand, you have massive influence globally. And when you share a message that could have uh, you know, an influence in, in the market with a wide uh, set of audiences. So we've seen, for example, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, um, and some of these other companies really step up uh, in, in terms of being a strong voice for some of these causes. So I think it, it's, a, it's an art and a science, really understanding how you can make an impact and put your voice out there for some of these uh, key political and, um, you know, social elements or social topics without offending too much, without, um, I think, betraying the trust of your customers, I would say. So um, it, it's really an art, you know, and it comes down to having a good understanding for people at the end of the day. Because yeah, it's a balance between keeping your customers happy and your employees proud somehow. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And yeah. standing for what you believe in at the end. Yeah. And, and I hear what you say about your daughter and TikTok and social media. I so often wonder during this COVID period, what if this would have happened 20 years ago without all the social media? It would have been such a different ordeal, actually. But yeah, It would have been very isolating, wouldn't it? And um, yeah. I, I see my parents as well being very engaged on, you know, they're at their age, they're, they used to be very social with their kind of colleagues and, you know, always going out and, and having meals together. And COVID had a big impact on their kind of social interaction, which then had to switch into Facebook and WhatsApp. Yeah. So um, that was also a very interesting shift to watch. Yeah, I hear you, exactly. Um, we, we have to round this up, but, but one last advice, what can they start doing tomorrow? What, what, what's the one thing that they should have learned from this COVID period? Mm, that's, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot I could say here, but I'll narrow it down to just one specific thing, which is um, take this opportunity to really look at the, the business and, and digital strategy you have put in place or you're planning to put in place. Um, the, the one thing that I would encourage every organization to do is to kind of create more of a dynamic uh, operational environment. So looking at ways to uh, reduce manual processes, ways to reduce uh, dependency on 
physical and people-based processes and um, supply chains as well. So look at how you can create a strategy within your organization enabled by digital technologies that can help you um, navigate and shift you know, in a very dynamic way when something like this happens. Obviously, we all think most organizations, particularly the big ones, tend to think we're invincible uh, and COVID has proven to us that we're not. Uh, everyone is susceptible to, to something as big as this global pandemic. So try to create um, fine pockets within your process and your core operational environment that is, uh, <clears throat> that's not dynamic, that's too rigid and find ways to utilize technology to, to make it more dynamic and flexible. Clear. Thank you very much, Kamal Lardi, for taking your time to speak to us. We're very happy with all the advice you gave. It, it was a real pleasure listening to you. So thank you very much. Thank you.